What is up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. Uh, Saturday night, walking around. I am not sure how long I'm going to be on this podcast because uh, it's very overcast. The streets are wet. Not sure if I'm going to get rained on or not here. So we'll uh, we'll go as far as uh, as uh, nature allows, I guess. <laughs> But uh, anyways, I wanted to talk about something just kind of in light of the, the Christmas season. It's been uh, a fun kind of realization, and maybe this will be uh, something that will uh, that will encourage you to walk down memory lane with your own collection, your own journey in baseball cards, and. Uh, and also what that means for you going forward in your collection. So I'll tell you kind of a few memories I have of Christmas past when I was younger and when I was looking or, you know, asking for baseball cards. Now, like a lot of you out there listening probably will be in the same position that I was uh, as nine, 10, 11, 12 year old, uh, mom and dad said, say, Hey, make your list of, uh, of, uh, wants in, uh, uh, for Christmas and we will give it to Santa or whatever they say. And, uh, you know, you kind of hope and pray and you cross your fingers and hopes of getting everything now. Uh, of course, growing up, I, uh, you know, wouldn't get nearly everything I asked for because, I'd probably bankrupt my parents and Santa for that matter if uh, if I got everything I asked for. But I remember the handwritten notes, the handwritten letters. Like, yeah, I had, uh, I would ask for like a Super Mario or, uh, you know, game or something like that. But guess what dominated my Christmas wish list? Baseball cards. I remember distinctly like writing out these you know, 1986 Donruss, the rookies set, 1988 score set, 1987 Fleer wax pack, <laughs> 1987 Donruss opening day set. And, uh, you know, very eighties, very, uh, eighties and nineties. It was just, uh, that's kind of how it was. And now a lot of those sets of course don't really hold much value anymore, but, uh, even things like, uh, you know, 1959 Tops Commons, because if you remember me talking about this in the past, uh, I was one of the few kids out there that just took a took a shine to to vintage cards for some reason. Not really sure. Just there's something about these cards that were older than me, and you know, uh, we're talking T206 cards all the way to 70s cards. So. You know, cards that were older than me and probably around when my parents were younger or grandparents were younger. I just loved them. So I was always interested in those. And so I remember a few Christmases where I would wake up and I wasn't allowed to, if I remember correctly, I wasn't allowed to wake up mom and dad until eight in the morning or something. So I would just go to the living room and just stare at the boxes, at the presents. And I remember seeing some baseball cards kind of sticking out of uh, over the stocking, like uh, 
you know, I think there was like a, maybe a 1986 Donruss, the Rookies, Barry Bonds, 1987 Fleer, Bobby Bonilla. Oh man, I remember these feelings I had whenever I see them, just, just so excited. And, uh, you know, they weren't big dollar cards then. They certainly are not big dollar cards now, uh, but they were uh, hot cards back then. And just being so excited about seeing these cards, like the uh, the bright blue to white gradient borders of the A7 Fleer with Bobby Bonilla at bat. I mean, ah, oh, man. And uh, the close-up face shot of Barry Bonds, 86 Donners to the Rookies. Uh, and then looking at the presents thinking, is that a wax box? Is that like... Look at that over there. Is that a uh, pile of Beckett monthly back issues? Because yes, my friends, I did ask for Beckett monthly back issues as well. They were collectible, very collectible back then. And, you know, of course they should have been. They had beautiful photography and, you know, they were certainly not like any other magazines. Very, very minimal uh, advertisements or headlines on the front and uh, the front was dominated by a nice picture and a key baseball card of the player that's depicted on the front and same with the back but anyways i i remember uh you know kind of let's fast forward to the last several uh christmases now guys i'm like the worst person to uh shop for <laughs> So poor Holly, I mean, she never is able to uh, get me anything because the only thing I ask for still are, well, baseball cards. And she said, ah, forget that. I, you know, you get that stuff on your own. I don't really know what to get you anyways. And I understand. I can't uh, tell her what to get. I don't like really opening boxes all that much. And you know, I can't tell her a specific card because that means that she would have to research the heck out of it, make sure that she gets it for the right price and, you know, the eye appeals there and so on and so forth. So, you know, just doesn't ever happen, which is fine. Uh, but what I did this year is I ordered a couple boxes of 1991 Donruss and guys like that would have made my Christmas, uh, when I was younger and, uh, to have like not just 36, but 72 packs of baseball cards to open. Like that would have been, that would just been nuts. I mean, that would have been like the greatest thing ever. And uh, uh, on top of that, as I've mentioned in a few podcasts and you see in some of my tweets and Facebook posts, I've, uh, I got a uh, Voltron and, you know, some Transformers. And it was fun because I knew darn well what was in those boxes because guess what? I bought them uh, for myself. <laughs> but Holly wrapped them and I was just so excited to be able to open them. And it kind of like this year kind of took me back to how it was uh, when I was younger because it was actually something where I actually did get some baseball cards and I did get some, you know, toys I wanted or whatever. And uh, it was fun. And it caused me to reflect on something which I'm kind of inviting you to take a part of this journey as well uh, with me here. But the, the question is, 
what cards out there, whether they're in your collection or not, really revs your motor? What really gets your heart pumping? And so, uh, you know, obviously that'll be different from time to time also. But even now, like, I look at my own collection of various uh, cards of, you know, vintage cards or Conseco cards or uh, wax boxes. I look at those and I started asking myself, like, what am I really, really, really excited about here? Like, what really gets me going? And the next question I'm followed up, I follow up with uh, is, why is anything else in my collection that doesn't make me super excited? <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair question, I think. Uh, and so after that, the next question is, uh, what if I were to take all of the cards and, and you too out of like let's let's just use this as as a we here what if we were to take all of the cards from our collections and uh separate them from the cards we are madly in love with and the cards that we just don't really care about that if they leave our collection it's going to be fine you know if you want it you always get later no big deal right so what if we separate those out and sold them or trade them away and put them toward cards that were really truly meaningful to us and what if our collections consisted just of those cards I found this kind of interesting uh, because I think sometimes there are cards that will find their way into our collection uh, and our hearts <laughs> by uh, two means number one we seek them and we intentionally buy them or two they just happen along into our collection whether it's a good deal or we're just feeling uh, strong about a certain card or it presents itself into a trade and you know we like it and it's kind of cool but eventually that feeling dies down and uh, you know so I think we have cards like that in our collections and there's I think particularly for me in my collecting journey this past year uh, when it comes to the vintage stuff there are cards that like <laughs> I kind of love all of them <laughs> but there's some that I really love like I really love the E90-2 Honest Wagner the candy Wagner with the blue background you know what I'm saying like I really love that card there are a few that I just uh, don't really truly love with as much as I would like to have. Like there's a couple, uh, uh, and, and I, I got rid of a few of them already. Like there's a uh, Napoleon Lajouet uh, T206 that I got rid of. It was of him throwing. Um, there's a couple of Rogers Hornsby's cards. Uh, and the thing is, is like, there, there's almost like this this kind of a desire to put together a bit of a museum to tell the story of baseball history. And when I looked at it that way, I'm thinking, how can you tell baseball history without like having a mention of Rogers Hornsby? You know, like <laughs> same thing goes for like uh, Cy Young, for instance. Like there's a couple of T206s I have 
of Christy Matthewson, Walter Johnson, and Cy Young. And uh, they are all amazing cards. And some of them I don't like them as, as much as I, uh, I guess, did when I was searching for them. And uh, you know, so like, I think one move that I'd like to make, you know, just to kind of give you a little rubber meets the road uh, situation here. Uh, one thing that I would like to do probably is to move my Cy Young and look for an E90-1 Cy Young. It's got a red background. The main thing, main reason why is it's not that it's necessarily a better card than the T206. Uh, as much as it is uh, just a striking red background, which I think would go well with the uh, Blue Wagner. And, you know, same goes with the green background Ty Cobb. Uh, I think they would look great together, like as a trio. And, uh, you know, so if I had those three, then I would just really, really love those. Uh, you know, the, some of them, like, for instance, the Christy Matthewson even, uh, Christy Matthewson, guys, is like one of my favorite all-time pitchers ever. Like, I love that guy. <laughs> and uh, so I've got his T205. I also have uh, his dark cap T206 card. And uh, I adore that card also. But the thing is, is like when it comes to Matthewson, I'm starting to think maybe I only need, and I need, I use that term loosely, right? Uh, need only one card of his. And guess what? My favorite Matthewson card is the T205. I love that card. Like, I just adore it. And uh, so what does that mean for the T206? I mean, it's not a one of one. So if I do get rid of it, then guess what? If I'm really, if I have a hankering to get it again, I always can down the road. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of, these are kind of things I've been thinking about uh, more recently, just like uh, keeping and acquiring the cards that are like really super duper exciting uh, for me. I mean, the old judge, like I've had a number of 1887 old judge cards and I've gotten rid of quite a few of them where earlier on in the year, I was excited because one had a terrific pose the other had a great uh, background and you know another was had just a wonderful history and I moved those because they weren't things that I were that I was particularly in love with I, I was you know certainly enamored with infatuated by uh, the stories of these 19th century players uh, but uh, right now and I've got three uh, old judge cards right now. I have uh, the Roger Connor, uh, who is uh, was baseball's first, the original home run king, uh, which fantastic, right? Also have Buck Ewing, which is one of the premier baseball players of the 19th century, and the, one of the most sought after old judge cards, by the way, uh, is him with the mascot, and uh, so I have that. And last but not least, I have a Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday is, you know, certainly not a Hall of Famer, uh, but he's got an amazing story, like for, especially for Christians. And he was uh, one of the first uh, main evangelists in America. 
and uh, they call him the baseball preacher. Like he would, uh, you know, hold all kinds of revivals and this, that, and the other. And uh, there's a book about him. I'm sure there's several books about him, but uh, you know, I have a personal connection to that because I remember that book when I was a kid. And uh, I remember getting excited thinking, like realizing there was actually a card uh, out there of him. And so I picked up earlier this year and you know, it graded out in SGC 1.5. The picture though is so striking. I mean, yeah, the corners around it, but you know, <laughs> that's what you get for a card that's like, what, one and a quarter centuries old or, or whatever it is. Uh, but I mean, man, like in spite of the fact that he's not a Hall of Famer or anywhere near it, uh, it's one of my favorites. And uh, kind of strange having like one of those being my favorites next to like, uh, you know, Moss Wagner, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth or whatever. Uh, but I mean, that's how it is to me. Like, I love that card. And uh, you know, it's just kind of an exciting thing. And so, uh, you know, the, those are the types of cards I want in my collection. The, the Buck Ewing and the Roger Connor, I'm not so sure about. Like, I'm kind of on the fence. And I'm thinking almost that maybe they will be cards that will uh, leave my collection uh, sooner or later. And, uh, you know, perhaps if I uh, find some down the road, they will be cards that I pick up because they're a great deal. Uh, as opposed to me saying, oh, I just really wanted this Buck Ewing card or I really want this Roger Connor card. And, you know, to be fair, I really did want a Roger Connor card. I just don't think that this one is the one uh, for my quote-unquote forever collection. Um, and the Buck Ewing, uh, to be honest, like, I don't know. I, I really like the idea possibly of having an N43. And for those of you who don't know what an N43 is, it's, uh, uh, it was put out by uh, Alan Ginner in 1888, I think. And it's a sideways card. And it's a little bit oversized, a little awkward of a uh, size of card. But uh, they actually used to do those as box loaders, I think, for Topps Allen Ginner uh, when they first started. So uh, really neat card. But I just uh, you know, haven't really made it a whole big priority uh, to get that because I just don't really have a hugely massive connection with Buck Ewing. Um, I love King Kelly and Cap Anson and, you know, all those other guys, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and, you know, so I'm planning on possibly moving that old judge card of his I have, but, uh, you know, unfortunately I don't have any other Buck Ewing cards because for some reason they, uh, kept him out of the N28 Allen Ginner set, the first, you know, baseball card set there. Not really sure why he's in the next one though. Uh, but I have the first set, you know, but since he's not in that set, I don't have him in there. So, uh, but anyways, I mean, part of it is just really kind of weighing each card. Like, how would I feel if I got rid of this card? How would I feel if I got rid of this card? How would I feel if I got rid of this card? And I think if you do the same thing, you'll be amazed at, uh, you know, a number of things. Number one, at the money that you can have to uh, really put car toward cards that you, like, really care about. And, uh, you know, two, just really kind of how freeing it would be 
uh, to, uh, you know, not have just a bunch of stuff that you don't care about. And uh, for me, that's like a constant, uh, I want to say battle, but maybe battle. Uh, it's a constant thing for me over the years where I stock up on a lot of stuff and I sell a lot of stuff. I stock up on a lot of stuff and I sell a lot of stuff. And just it's just part of who I am and, and how I do things and how I uh, uh, explore what I enjoy. Um, and so I guess to a bigger extent, uh, that's kind of what happened with my Conseco collection, I guess. I just didn't know it <laughs> during the time. Uh, you know, because my, my thinking was when I sell an out, I was out. And, uh, but, you know, I came back and I realized, hey, I really love some of these cards here. And uh, so that whole super collecting journey that I was on, it helped me tremendously to figure out what I really loved and what I just didn't care about. And I think one of the blocks that I had is kind of maybe what you are dealing with as well is uh, is perhaps this feeling of this need for completion to be a completist and uh, you know I I, uh, I don't know it's it's kind of my thoughts on this are very much like an oxymoron I guess but because uh, like I admire the crap out of people that are uh, completionists like I love seeing people just kind of go for it all and try and get everything it's so fun on the other hand I think it kind of is killing people uh, because there are a lot of cards out there as a completionist that I would be that I would consider and I would call them to be uh, uh, necessary evils so for example let's say you have a rainbow it's not even a special rainbow a special uh, you know any type of rainbow of like eight or so cards and let's say like you know oh, five of them you don't even really care about and let's say two of them are like number to five or ten or whatever uh you know it's it's unfortunate to uh feel chained to actually having to get these cards that you don't really care a whole lot about simply because you want to be a completionist um i'm actually going through this right now with uh uh, 2019 flawless uh, Canseco all-star run so there's a uh, I showed this on YouTube recently I picked up one that's got a uh, nice little rolling sleeve patch which is a massive deal for Canseco collectors that's the one of one then they have an out of two which has this like strikingly beautiful uh, emerald green foil and it features a button again massively huge deal for Conseco collectors. Uh, then uh, a buddy of mine, his name's John, he's a Conseco collector also, uh, he picked up, a, and I didn't even go for it, but he picked up on eBay this really neat card. It was a flawless, same same set that I'm talking about that I've got the Rawlings and the, and the button out of, but uh, uh, Really, really neat card. It's got gold holofoil, which that speaks to me right, right off the bat. Uh, but the patch features the very end of the trunk from the elephant 
of the A's mascot uh, sleeve logo uh, and the bat that the trunk is holding. I've got a couple uh, cards of Kinseiko where the patch is part of the uh, A's face. And so, uh, interestingly enough, the other day, I saw another 2019 Flawless uh, Kinseiko, just like that, out of five, with a piece of his face. And uh, I thought it was neat, but I was like, eh, I mean, I don't really want it. And then I started thinking about it. Huh. I wonder if, uh, if my buddy would trade me. If I got this, I, don't, I, you know, I, I would imagine that he'd probably like the, the face more than the trunk. But, you know, you never know. And so I told him, I was like, you know, look, uh, do you really care which one you have? Or would you be okay with, uh, with swapping out? Or would you rather this face one? And uh, he's like, yeah, I'd be fine with that. It'd help you out, Tanner. And, you know, yeah, that doesn't bother me one way or the other. So I was like, okay, cool, thanks. So I ended up buying the card and uh, uh, send the ship to uh, straight to uh, my buddy. And he's sending me over this uh, this uh, elephant patch with a little trunk. I just think it's the neatest card. Like, I just really like it. And so, all of a sudden, uh, I have these three cards from the same set that match, but they're so unique and so different and so neat in each way, which I'm like, huh, that's really cool. So, and I don't do rainbows, really, guys. Like, <laughs> I normally don't. But the thing is this. Uh, it, this creeps into my mind. Well, what if, like, that rainbow, to complete that rainbow, you have to have one out of 10 and one out of 15. And so, right now, what my thinking is, you know, I have, I have two, two schools of thought. Number one, my thinking is, ah, oh, why don't I just get two of them and, and be done with it and have the run? But the other part of me is thinking, why? I've got these three amazing cards together. I would like one of uh, the out of 10 or possibly one out of the 15 that has a nice regular patch. So that way I could have a Rawlings tag, uh, you know, sleeve tag, a button, a sleeve logo, and a regular patch. But why go for the entire rainbow? What's the, what's the reason? Yeah, I don't know. And of course my thinking uh, it changes from day to day about this. So, uh, I, I could be so like, so fickle in, in, uh, what I want to do from day to day. But, uh, you anyway, know, so these are the things I think about. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I think there's merit to both ways of, of going about it, but ultimately I want to make sure, like I was saying before, I want to make sure all the cards I have in my collection have special meaning and I just love them. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no sense in, uh, let's say it's two ways. There's no sense in number one, try and have it all. And there's also no sense of number two, try and be the best. This kind of goes for everything in life though, doesn't it? Like you don't ever want to uh, compare yourself with other people because you'll always just be sad. <laughs> you'll always be wanting. There's no need for that. You know, just have this hobby to, to enjoy and, uh, you know, be, be happy and content and feel fulfilled with what you have, regardless of what other people out there have. And I remember like just the, uh, the thoughts that would come creeping in my mind 
from time to time. Oh yeah, you know, what about like, you know, I wonder how far ahead I am of these other people and all this. And yeah, it's just, it doesn't help anybody. It's, it's useless. They're, they're useless thoughts and certainly a useless goal. It doesn't matter what other people have. It doesn't matter if uh, your biggest competition has a bigger, better uh, collection or if, uh, if uh, one person is actually 10 people or 20 people or 100 people. It doesn't matter, guys. Like, just be happy, thankful, content with what you have and uh, continue to work on it. You know, continue to work on uh, putting together a collection that you just love, that you're proud of, uh, that tells your story, you know? Like, work on a collection that tells your story. Now, the Canseco cards I have tell my story quite well. The Billy Sunday card tells my story quite well. Uh, some of the others, they don't really. And, uh, you know, that's fine. So one day I'll... Uh, hopefully be able to chisel it down even more and uh it's uh <laughs> seems that's uh to me it seems like it's super easy to buy <laughs> but much more difficult to sell <laughs> that's the that's the hard part sometimes right you know letting go of uh, certain cards but uh we all have to go through it uh sometimes or we all get to go through it whichever way you want to think about it and uh you know but yeah this let this be a challenge to you uh Look at your collection, split it down the middle. What do you really, really love? What do you just really not care about? And figure out how much money you think you can get off of the cards you don't care about. And then start to daydream about what you would get with that money instead. I mean, shoot, not even cards. I mean, you know, imagine if you could pay off that credit card debt that you have or you know, whatever, because guess what? Baseball cards will always be there. You know, so, you know, you obviously want to take care of real life stuff first, but, uh, you know, imagine how freeing that would feel to just because you were able to sell off some cardboard, you're able to actually have a better and more peaceful life. How amazing would that be? That'd be really cool. So anyways, those are my challenges to you. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully I get your, uh, the gears in your brain to start crank in and you know get to be thinking about uh you know what you want to do with your collection so that's all i have for tonight uh thank you guys as always for listening i hope you all have a fantastic evening please like subscribe and share take care